This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, I have a special guest to discuss networking and corporate flying. But before we begin, just a a few announcements. First of all, uh, don't forget to go out to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses so you can find the scholarships guide, career coaching, and other various technical courses online. I'm finally back from the regional competition, and we're going to get all the videos up there for the technical interview course that we had put together. Not all the videos are out there yet and uh, the quizzes. As a reminder, I've uh, been talking about this and I've been doing all these technical interviews. Well, we've decided to make a video course out of it. And uh, it's basically you do you have 10 questions at the end of that uh, 10 questions. We explain the answers and then also you have a quiz. And once you get 100% on the quiz, it allows you to go to the next chapter. So each uh, different section has Uh, 10 questions, a quiz, move on to the next. And there's different things like part 91, part 141, and uh, all different rules. Uh, There's also a personnel interview section on that, and it keeps growing. It's uh, Right now it's free, but the introductory price is $75. Once we have finished the actual whole series, it's actually going to go up uh, to 129, then uh, uh, that should hold for about a year there. Uh, That'll give you a year access to all those courses. So check it out, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses. One other thing before I introduce our guests, I want to say, a big thanks to the listeners. First of all, all those folks that have supported me during this period, a lot of things have happened since I've started this podcast looking back over the years. Uh, it's been a true blessing, and I'm glad it's helped you folks. Uh, we just past the million download, one million downloads, and it's been really exciting bringing this to you. And uh, like I said, I'm in it for the long haul. So hopefully in the next million downloads, we will enable you to take a step towards your career goal and inspire you to do something that you are passionate about. That's what's really important. This show is all about you. So again, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate that. Well, anyway, joining me today is Matt Rutowski. He is a passionate aviator, enjoys helping others fulfill that passion in life. You know, he's got a modicum of information and also has an incredible background. Matt's a board member for the Nevada Business Aviation Association, a member of the National Defense Industry Association, Nevada DOT Aviation Technical Advisory Committee, and the Nevada Chapter of the Aerospace States Association. He's also a mentor pilot for Professional Pilots of Tomorrow. He's an author, contributed to AeroCrew News, and business, commercial, and commercial aviation, and many other things. He's here to help us talk about uh, aviation and networking in the corporate and private aviation environment. Matt, it's so exciting to have you on. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Carl. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Well, Matt, I've we've never actually met together. We've uh, met online, just like happens in the past. But uh, I love looking at all the pictures of the airplanes, especially and the the cool shots of some of those really slick and and modern uh, aircraft that you get to fly. It you must absolutely love doing that. It's a great time. I I really enjoy it. We've got uh, you know, there's a there's a lot for me out there that that I look at in the regular day to day job, and then you take a picture of it, and you step back. And then you look at it a week or two weeks or a month later and you say, wow, that is, it's actually really, really cool. I, I like it a lot. Cool. So how did you get into aviation as far as uh, you're a very passionate aviator? So something must have stirred you to become so passionate about aviation. 
getting ready for college, I uh, took a look around. And of course, every kid looks around and says, what do I want to do? And what do I want to do for the rest of my life? And that's a that's a tough question to answer. But I looked around and, and aviation really became something that was uh, apparently deeply ingrained within me that I that I liked and I appreciated. And I hadn't really noticed it until I was about to get into college. So I took a look around and decided between engineering and air traffic control and things like that. And eventually I settled on a double major for um, piloting and air traffic control. So I went to school for it at first and uh, went ahead and, and did my flying in the university and got through my certificates. And the more that I got involved in the community, not just in the flying and getting behind the controls, but the more I got involved in the community and met the people and, and had the conversations, the more aware I was of how you know incredible of an industry this was. And so this was something that really solidified my love for aviation. And it really appeals to many different senses. It appeals to your your sense of sight and smell and and feel. It also it's very you know cerebral at times where you have to do a lot of thinking. And I think that's something that I love, and uh, I know you do too. Just looking at all the technical things that you you've done in the career. One of the things, though, I, I think that we don't do a good job of, we talked uh, about offline, and I'm so glad to have you on, is the fact that, you know, I think we talk too much about the airlines and corporate and private aviation. You know, there's there's a large industry there that I think we really need to have a better conversation about, and that's why you're here, Matt. But why, why do people choose the corporate and uh, private flying, and, and why did you choose it? Well, first off, yeah, you're absolutely correct, Carl. I mean, they... The airlines are, are such a large segment of the industry, and 121 in general is such a big portion that um, you know it's hard to to sometimes recognize or remember you know some of the some of the lighter twins, if you will, that are flying around out there. So it's one thing that's a little bit uh, a little bit hidden in the shadows, mysterious, if you will, something that people might be aware of but not really have a good, a good idea about. And I think that's one thing that really intrigued me and something that brought me towards corporate aviation and uh, private flying. So. I originally got involved, uh, of course, you know, through college, um, flying and, and networking, meeting some people, visiting places like MBAA, and just seeing all that uh, everybody has to offer. And uh, I had gotten a job offer while I was in college to fly for a, um, you know, pri- a private foreign national company, and they operated a small fleet of aircraft to uh, further their business, traveling around the world and in different regional um, regional markets as well. And so I'd gotten a job to work with them as uh, basically, you know, someone who as a, as a third pilot on the larger airplanes, I was able to fly as an IRO or an international reserve officer and uh, get experience from the guys that were flying, you know, most of the legs and learn from them, talk to them and at the same time still get to have a lot of great experience. And, and that transformed very quickly. And uh, after I had that first experience with, you know, with the first operator, it was just I was sold. That was it. I, I realized right away that there is so you know such a dynamic market that's involved in corporate and private flying, something that is hard to uh, replicate elsewhere in the industry. And for me, you know, with my brain always moving, I'm I'm always thinking about a hundred different things at once, and I'm always looking for the next big challenge and trying to make sure that what I'm working in, um, you know, currently, be it personal or professional, um, excelling with that, that's where corporate aviation really met that need for me. So some of the benefits of being a corporate pilot is, is 
the dynamics of it. And it's also something that it's not just, you know, jumping in the plane, turning it on and going. You have so many different things that you get to do as an individual that we normally don't as uh, airline pilots. That I think is really exciting. And but you know, how do you find out more about the career? One of them you just mentioned, NBAA, National Business Aviation Association. Obviously, we'll have a, a link in the show notes. But you know, where do you go to find out about the the whole world of corporate aviation? Because there's so many people are confused as to how we get into that industry. Yeah, and, and absolutely, networking. I would say is always. Uh just like in, in the airlines and just like in anything in life, you, you want to be able to build relationships and, and most most importantly, maintain those relationships because it's all about, you know, making sure that you're seen and, and you know, others are seen, but you make sure that you maintain that relationship so that everybody can, can learn about you and really understand uh, what drives you, what makes you tick, what's your motivations. And in corporate aviation and, and private flying like that, that's one thing that I think, some of the operators and owners and, you know, any of the parties that conduct hiring or references even are really concerned about and really care about is they want to know a lot about the individual and they want to make sure that the individual is a solid fit for their operation. And, and that's where some of these networking events like uh, the MBAA conference uh, that's held every year. The last one was held just in uh, Orlando, of course, this year. It'll be here in Las Vegas uh, next year. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a great place to start, but really it's, it can start at the smallest level. And a lot of people uh, don't realize maybe how beneficial it is to go and visit the FBO, whether it's at a busy time or a slow time and, and just either take the time to, you know, meet the pilots that are coming in and out or, you know, just kind of get an idea of the climate of what's going on. And one of the biggest things that I've seen that's helped out a lot of people actually is as they're starting out, maybe working towards their ratings, getting a job at one of the fixed-based operators and getting a job in an FBO, be it, you know, line service or at the desk, whatever it might be, because this is the place where you're going to meet and talk to and discuss and build those relationships with the guys and girls that are on the front lines of business aviation and that's the pilots and the flight attendants these are the people that are in and out of it every day they have the best perspective and realistically they've got the uh, the shortest line of communication to the principal so when it comes time for a recommendation or when it comes time for you know the the first real i guess uh, big pilot job flying a big jet whatever whatever your heart may desire those are the people that are going to be able to help you out the most and then in turn once you get to that point, the whole idea is that you turn around and do the same thing. So networking, you know, we, we always agree networking is so important. There's times, though, that you really can't get that face-to-face uh, conversation going. And then so many people turn to social media, uh, and there's many different forms and formats and many different venues. Obviously, LinkedIn is really important. But in using social media, it can really, uh, as in you said in your article, it can make or break you. So, as for someone who's who's a, and I hear this all the time, I really don't want to be in social media because it, I'm afraid of it. Tell us a little bit about what's important when someone is looking towards social media to begin some networking and and building themselves online. Well, social media is definitely a catch twenty two, and it's something that. Um, you know, like I had mentioned in, in the article there, if you, if you can really take advantage of it in the best of ways, then it can be a, a very powerful tool. You can leverage quite a bit with social media. But the downside is that it is also easy 
in social media to maybe put yourself in a position, a precarious position, if you will, that might not further your career, but rather uh, degrade it and bring you back. And so one thing about social media is, um, you know, a lot of people say, think before you speak. And, and I think my, my motto instead is think before you click. And one thing that sticks out to me a lot of times is you never know who's going to have eyes on the wall because all the time when you're involved in these forums and you're involved in these groups, and let's take Facebook for instance, Facebook has a lot of professional pilot groups that maintain a very strong presence and some of them with 10 or 15 or 20 or even 25,000 members in a single group. And that's a huge audience. If you want to get the word out for something or you want to you know, post a topic, that is a huge audience and you have a captive audience of 25,000 people. But one thing that's very important is to remember who may be in that audience that you know of or who may be in the audience that you don't know of. Because you don't want to put yourself in a place that you post something which could be considered um, maybe detrimental to your image and then have that come back to you later on. And, and social media at the same time, though, as much as I start with that, that uh, caution, if you will, I definitely like to, to point out some of the benefits to it. Um, for me, for example, social media has helped me create some, some pretty good relationships, I would say, that I would have never, ever thought of or considered before. And so, for example, I've been able to initiate a relationship with somebody by connecting with them on LinkedIn or uh, inter, you know, interfacing with them on the Facebook groups or whatever it may be. And at that point, six months, a year later may come by. And all of a sudden that person is sitting next to you at the hotel restaurant and you had no idea. And then, you know, you start talking, you get to know each other and then you forge the, the completion of that relationship, the face to face portion and really get a chance to know each other. And, and it helps out down the road because you're building your network, but you're building your support network. Really. If there's any time that you need to, um, get help with something or, or get, you know, any kind of uh, a second opinion or, whatever it may be, some, some sort of institutional knowledge you may not have, then you have a, a support network that you've built up of people that are happy to help and, and excited to help. And hopefully you would do the same thing. So networking um, on social media, I would say, is, is probably one of the harder parts uh, of a pilot's job sometimes, just because of some of the, um, some of the poor opinions people may have about it. I know that there's sometimes in senior management, certain airlines, certain corporate operators that really don't look too fondly of it. And, you know, there's been a few friends of mine that have kind of um, taken the fall, if you will, because of it. And, you know, through various mediums of social media, they've, they've posted things either about their job or they've posted things about their, um, their personal experiences and one way or another, it's kind of like putting blood in the water. It's it's hard to get it out once it's there, and unfortunately, there there have been some that have that have uh, taken the fall for it, and you know either had personal or uh, professional um, consequences to pay. I love how you made that point. It's like putting the blood out in the water; it stays out there. I think we don't realize sometimes when we do hit send and we post, it's and you delete it, it still is somewhere, and uh, it's always out there. I always use the example of a person I knew at a school, a flight school, posted a, a picture of an airplane that crashed, and just happened to be that person was in the airplane when it happened, and they were the ones involved in the accident. I was like, well, wow, 
we really don't need that to get out there. And the flight school was very angry that they immediately okay. first thing they did was put it on social media. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. And that's, those are the type of things. Plus the, uh, I think another part of this too is that we all feel, uh, and we're talking social media. We can talk, we'll talk a little bit about forums afterwards. That's a whole nother ball game is mm-hmm. we get, we get too much involved in fights and especially around politics online. I wonder what your, what your opinion is there and, and what you've seen happen there. So a lot of times, I mean, you, you take a look around and, and you get onto to social media and you, you watch what's, what's happening just with your friends network, you know, go ahead and, and log into your medium of choice and start scrolling, send your thumb across the street of the screen and start seeing what's going on. And, and I've taken a personal stance to it, um, that, I just I don't feel that uh, politics really have a place with with my social media, for example. And you know, as as entertaining as it may be for some people, or um, you know, what have you, for me, it's just not uh, not something that's important enough to go through and and put on my social media. Just because I don't feel that uh, that it would represent me well, especially if I want to use my social media to to leverage um, some professional. Uh, professional gain. If I want to be able to have a, a strong professional network and really be involved in in my industry, I think it's a detractor to involve politics in there. And and you hear plenty of pilots. And Carl, I'm sure you're the same way. You climb on the flight deck and you sit down with a guy next to you, and and there are some guys that look and they say, I I don't discuss politics and I don't discuss religion. And you know, what? and that's their policy, and that's fine. And I think that that's been a a, a policy throughout professional aviation that. Um, you know, I think if more people looked at sometimes it could be, it could be helpful for them and it could really help to, uh, make sure that you kind of keep on track and, and keep on topic. I think the the thing that you said, the word you used in your article, I think is apropos here is professionalism and staying professional online. And that's really important when we are discussing things, especially politics. Boy, nothing can draw people apart or together, I guess, with, uh, you know, as far as online and in person as politics can. And uh, that's something that I found is is I really love to stay away from. Let's make it happy. Let's talk about, you know, because there's certain things we all enjoy. Doesn't matter what type of politics you're involved with, religion, etc. We definitely need to keep it professional. And also, you're going to have to do that, deal with that the rest of your life. You know, everybody's going to have their different opinions. And sometimes it's best to, to leave it alone. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's also a philosophy, too. And like you said, there are people that say, you know, hey, we're going to keep this out of, the, out of the cockpit. But then there's the other side, too. You, Especially in the airlines, you find people, that's all they want to talk about. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a really long trip, isn't it? <laughs> right. But, you know, one of the things— And it's, it's hard to deal with them, you know, sometimes personally uh, if, if you want to— um, if you want to try to avoid it, there are, there are sometimes— and, you know, as, as we all go through life, we notice that— um, you know, it's it's not always easy to to do things the way you want, and the best laid plans are sometimes you know the ones that uh, that fail the worst. And unfortunately, it's it's part of life to to deal with that kind of situation. And um and it is tough though. Sometimes there are some people. You're right that that is on their agenda. Uh, the latest happenings just came out on on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, and and by God, that's what that's what they want to talk about because they are all up in arms about it. And sometimes that's, uh, that's going to be the way it is. And I think that resilience that we have and, uh, the way that we handle that and also the way that we react to it, because that says a lot about our character. 
um, the way that we handle that kind of a situation and whether you're uncomfortable with it or not, I think that that says a lot about your personal and your professional character. And it it's helpful to uh, to have that experience as much as it might be uncomfortable. It's it helps us out in life. I wonder what your opinion is on a, a little bit more subtle of a situation in politics and that. On social media, one of the things that people can do is follow what you follow. And say you are supporting, like, my brother's in politics, so I obviously am going to support my brother, right? Or maybe not, who knows? But, you know, (laughs) you you find out that you you click on their campaign or whatever their their campaign that they're associated with, and you like it, etc. But now that can become part of you, and it's you're not really posting, but it does become part of you. And I don't know if that's uh, something we should steer away from because I, it kind of, it you know, you lose that personality sometimes. So I wonder what your opinion is as far as not the direct comments, but maybe, you know, commenting or, or liking other websites and things like that or other pages. You know, it, it's it's a big uh, portion of your brand. And, and I, I talk about this in the article too. Everybody has a brand. And regardless of what you're doing, everybody has a, a brand that they're promoting or whatever it may be. And, and usually the brand is you and, and you are the product. You are the star and you are the service. And and it's important to make sure that, that people recognize that. And, you know, one thing I mentioned was, um, you know, in one section entitled You Are What You Eat, it, I addressed just that, the fact that sometimes it's not just about what you post. It's not just about the little reaction emoji that you you attach to a photo on somebody's wall on Facebook. It's it's really about the fact that the technology is at a point that it keeps up so closely with what we're doing that you could have somebody who doesn't post anything for 365 days in a row and you can still have a very comprehensive brand, if you will, on that person. And so that, that section there, You Are What You Eat, really goes into um, – you know, talking about some some life lessons that some you know most of us learned as a kid that you know you're only as good as the company you keep and that and that's anything from those um, maybe political campaigns or topics or whatever it may be that you like and interact with on on social media it's all recorded and it's all available for someone to you know without very much effort at all go ahead and take a look at and see and and it starts to define the person too and so anytime that you are part of a uh, any kind of a movement you you like a page uh, and you mentioned you know politics for example that's a that's a big example right there if you are affiliated with some of these um, some of these groups and affiliated with some of these pages and whatnot you don't have to interact personally within those groups just that affiliation is already recorded and if that's something that you're concerned about then that's something that that you'd really have to keep in mind and and maybe um, be considerate of because once you do uh, get yourself involved there it does it does show up and you know that can even be um, not just with the the campaigns or the pages or the topics it could also be with people and sometimes as as unfortunate as it is and in corporate aviation I see I think we see maybe a little bit more of this only because it's a, a little bit of a smaller network than the 121 world but um, sometimes you know we see where the bad apples you know will will really start to show up and they become um, much easier to point out in corporate aviation where you can look at somebody and say, Oh, that's, that's not, you know, that's not good. That, that doesn't align with your values or your, your principles or whatever it may be. And so unfortunately, um, you know, if you are endorsing or, or supporting that person in one way or another, then that, that also doesn't look too kindly upon yourself. And, and I think that's, that's one thing that, uh, 
it's hard to then run the balance between building your network and meeting these people and also making sure that you're still vetting properly and understanding who it is that you're building these relationships with. Great example. I tell you, one of the things that I tell people offline when I'm doing career coaching is exactly what you said is, is there, you have to be very careful in when you're following even on something online, people can see that the technology is amazing. And I, I always use this example is that, you know, if you join a group called the I hate puppies group and there's, you know, who can hate puppies, right? And there's, you right. decide, <laughs> you decide you want to work for an organization that actually is, is maybe selling food or materials to, you know, puppies or dogs, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to make that a good fit, nor are you going to get hired because they're going to delve into that. And I do that. I go deep into people's pages when I'm looking at somebody. And I can, Absolutely. even if I don't know their background, I can figure it out. I'm sure you can too. Absolutely. And, and it's not that hard to go through and, and source that kind of information. It's something that is readily available. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand that. And maybe if they do, they're, um, you know, they're, if they're not really aware of the, the repercussions yet, it doesn't show up, you know, next day or next week or even next year. It doesn't show up until maybe two, three years later. And a lot of times you go back and just do a quick Google search on yourself or take a look at your profile, you know, and, and there's, there's ways to do it so you can see it from the outside as if, as if you're not friends with the person, as if you are friends with the person, whatever it may be. And you start to look back and you say, wow, where, where did that come from? When did that come from? You know, I don't even remember doing that. And, Unfortunately, whether uh, it was intentional or other or not, it's still there. So we, we got a little negative on the whole social media, but but there still are a lot of positives. So just before we, we switch off social media, just just really iterate some of the, the positives of having a presence in social media. One of the biggest things that I found is, um, you know, as, as small as the industry is, it's still very, very big. And, and you don't want to put yourself in a position where it's, it's kind of lonely and you look around and you have no support and you have nobody around you and, and you're kind of roughing it on your own. I mean, the, the industry has been around for over 100 years now and the importance of uh, having support is evident just like, you know, um, the, you had the Wright brothers, they had each other. And uh, you can't do it by yourself. And so one thing that I find is um, building that network and seeing seeing these people and, and involving yourself in, in events and everything else like that, you're not only improving your image and your brand, but you're improving your knowledge, you're improving your versatility, and you're really building up to become a strong contributing member in the industry. And the more that you're able to put yourself out there in a positive way, and interact with the industry, the more force that you're going to be able to have when it comes time to defend your industry and, and defend what you care for about the industry. A lot of guys have a number of different things they care about when it comes to uh, aviation. Everybody has their own motivations. And that's what that's one thing I love about it is that the industry is so niche, but people have just the smallest or most interesting things that they appreciate and they care about when it comes to aviation. And that's anything from flying or management or maintenance, anything like that, operations. And so when you're able to broaden your horizons and then also take what your passion is and involve it with everybody else, it's really a force to be reckoned with. It's really powerful. And it's something that, um, you know, really doesn't, doesn't die unless, uh, you know, unless you do something to, to turn it around. Interesting. 
You know, in, in corporate aviation, we really uh, look at the pilots and the really cool airplanes, but uh, getting back to some of the, uh, the, the benefits and challenges of being in corporate aviation, we, we also want to mention that it's not just the pilots. I mean, there's many other jobs that are involved in, in the corporate world, and you may not work for a specific corporation. There's other organizations that are out there, say, to help you with uh, flight planning, et cetera. What are some of those type of careers that might be in corporation in a corporate aviation environment other than what you do as a pilot? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of it. And and everybody realizes, everybody walks on the airplane, they look and they look left and, and they see the pilot sitting there and then you see a, a co-pilot sitting there and it's just, it's that warm, fuzzy feeling of classic aviation that you get and, and everybody loves that. But it's really important to remember and recognize how much else there is going on behind the scenes. And most importantly, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of people to be able to get that airplane in the sky and it comes from everything like operations. So dispatchers, they, they do have, you know, we do have schedulers and dispatchers that are involved in uh, business and corporate aviation. And it's a, it's a group that of course, it's not like an airline that everybody's going to have a scheduler or dispatcher, but a lot of these, um, long haul and and heavy international, uh, flyers and a lot of these operations that are cross multiple oceans in a day, this is a, an important resource and an important tool to be able to deal with the small intricacies that are coming up with you know international uh, corporate flying. It's it's a very uh, tricky world out there when it comes to the current politics and the current nature that's that's going on in the world where you can cross one country that you know might be the size of New Jersey and then uh, you go into another one's the size of Texas and it's two totally different rules and two totally different regulations, permits, everything. So those operations folks are really a, a strong um, lead, I would say, actually, in, in the operations and in the industry itself. You also have the management side of it. And, and a lot of people, I don't talk about management as in you know somebody who's your boss. I talk about aircraft management. So a lot of uh, individuals that own aircraft, they may have a department of their own, or they may elect to contract a company to manage their aircraft instead. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when you do so, you have you know a lot of those those points of contact within that company. And so when you're in aircraft management, you're taking care of everything from the pilot hiring, you know all this all the staffing requirements, the training, the pilot training, and the crew training, and even the maintenance training and, and the mechanics, which we'll talk about in a second. But you know the the management portion of that is a huge part of the business that you know really try to take the downsides of owning an airplane and the hard logistical challenges and maybe alleviate those for the principles so that it's easier to own an aircraft, it's easier to operate an aircraft and and really make the most out of aircraft ownership. And so people in, in aircraft management uh, have a very unique view on the industry because they are involved and they have their hands in so many different things at once that they really have to have a comprehensive hold on what's going on. And, and some people absolutely love that. Every day is is brand new. Every challenge is brand new. You know, your, your airplane that, uh, you know, you're taking care of may have just landed in Tel Aviv and then now it needs to get back over to the United States. And, well, it's just not the right time of year to do that based on the weather or even based on the political climate. So it's it's going to be an interesting trip. And, and that's a unique challenge that really only comes up um, when you're involved in that kind of a role. And lastly, I would say is, is the, you know, another part of the uh, another part of the puzzle is the maintenance techs. And maintenance, you know, airframe and uh, power plant mechanics, AMP technicians, I think is the, <clears throat> excuse me, is the new term for uh, for the, the techs under the FAA. And 
these guys and girls, they do a lot of hard work to be able to keep airplanes in, in the sky. And in corporate aviation, they have a little bit more of a unique position because they are interfacing so much with the owner and with the principal of the airplane. And you have certain roles where um, one might be a maintenance supervisor or a maintenance coordinator, and that's somebody who is um, you know, certified as an AMP, but their job more so is uh, to not necessarily wrench on the plane all the time, but make sure that things are getting done with either the contracted shop or the manufacturer or whoever it may be. And then you have other guys that are uh, working as shop techs and working to keep the, the planes alive and keep the fleet in the air and keep them uh, the safest and the most reliable and you know ensure that, that it's it's uh, ensure that they're keeping good care of, of their airplanes. And, and that's just it. It's their airplanes. And the pilots feel the same way. The operations um, folks feel the same way. It really is a sense of pride and a sense of um, belonging and possession that you have to say, this is our airplane and this is our flight and this is our operation. And we take a lot of pride in it. So every piece of the puzzle is, is definitely required, though, to make sure that it goes off without a hitch. There's many varied and interesting positions in corporate aviation that you mentioned, but the one thing that you just said is when people ask me why uh, I like corporate aviation is exactly that. You really feel, I always say, I feel like I'm part of a family. I'm part of the team. And Absolutely. that is, I mean, that's a huge benefit to that. You really take pride in it. It is, it's your baby. It's your airplane. And Most uh, definitely. <laughs> that's, and that's really exciting. One of the challenges, and we have to ask this question because this is the the question I probably get 90% of the time when someone asks me about corporate aviation uh, as far as a challenge. Is it true that you're on call 24-7? It really depends. you know. And, and one thing that's tough about corporate aviation, you, you can go to an airline, you can go to Airline Pilot Central or what have you, and you can get all the information, you can get the dig, and, and you can find out what it's like and what's the work rules like and the pay and this and that. And, and one thing about corporate aviation is, um, you know, your, your brand, this is where your brand really becomes important because you need to sell yourself and you need to make sure that, that you show what kind of value you're going to provide to the operation. You have to really bring something to the table. And, and since it is your baby and you are part of that family and it is your ship and, and your operation, well, you need to be able to step up and, and take good, uh, you know, take good accountability for that. So since every operation is so different, some of them you have individual owners uh, with, say, two or three pilots. Uh, some of them will be managed, uh, like we talked about, or others will be in departments. Um, part 91 departments are, you know, a huge, uh, a huge part of American business and part of the American dream. You know, the largest corporations sometimes have some of the most elaborate or extraordinary flight departments of their own, and it runs more like a small airline. So I would say one thing about the schedule is when you're in business in corporate aviation, it is very dependent on <clears throat> what kind of operation you fall into. And if you put yourself in an operation, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what's going on here today. <laughs> if you uh, if you put yourself in an operation where maybe you know it's one or two pilots, the schedule might be a little bit more restrictive, and it might be a little bit tough where you have to be on call more often, or you might have to um, you know wait for that phone to ring before you can before you can go do something. Or if you're in a department, it might run like an airline, and you have an on call period, you have reserve bids, you have scheduled flying, and 
you know, really it's, it's no different than, uh, than flying for a small 121. So it, it really is a, a matter of what suits you best. And so I've been a little bit on each side of the token. I've flown for some smaller places where it's been only a couple airplanes and, you know, you, you need to make sure that you budget your time off appropriately because when you get time off, you might not see some more for a little while. And then I've been other places where we work a, a four on and three off, four days on and three days off schedule. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of the, uh, a, a strong amount of vacation right from the beginning. And it, you know, runs with, uh, runs with a more airline oriented schedule. So there's such a difference between every operation. No two uh, are the same, I would say. And because of that, that's just one thing that makes it a little more interesting for me. And one of the things I think people are under the wrong impression as far as uh, career progression and pay, you can do fairly well at a at a airline, but you also can do well in a corporate environment. Uh, also, the really cool thing about the corporate environment is you can make a lateral move that you really can't do in an airline. You change airlines, you have to start over. In a corporate job, you could actually make more money when you change jobs, which is totally foreign to most airline pilots. And I think that's an important distinction right there. But being part of a team, you actually get involved in, in a lot more of the profit sharing and that type of thing. And and you actually see the results of of what you've done, uh, immediately see the results of what, what's been done. And I think sometimes you get the feeling that your flying's much more appreciated. And that's what I, those are the things that I hear a lot about as far as corporate aviation's concerned. Uh, but it really does vary. And I think that is a great point that you made. It depends on who you fly for, that's for sure. The other right. thing, and it's go ahead. I was going to say the other thing I think the concern is is the days off, and I think you just you nailed it on the head with the some have four days on, three days off, and sometimes you're on call. So that was a really good point you made. Right, and and one thing too is, you know, as part as part of being appreciated or whatnot, you're you're part of the operation, you're part of the family, you're you're part of more than just flying the airplane. And this was um, something that was made very clear to me one time in in my first corporate job where I was scheduled to um, bring the executive team, um, you know, up to a facility for a consulting meeting. They were consulting with one of the uh, largest, you know, clothing and textile designers and manufacturers in North America. And it was our job to bring them up to this meeting. And then that same day we were going to bring them back home. And it was just a, a normal day. And, and it became very apparent, though, what we meant to the company, because upon arrival at the uh, at the first destination there, it was time to get in the limos and, and go to the meeting. And so, OK, we, we waved off the executives and wished them well and, and you know, made sure that we started attending to the airplane to get everything done. And the CEO kind of looked at us puzzled and he stood outside the door of the limo and he, and he looked over at us and, you know, he, he asked, what are we doing? It's time to go. Let's go. And we were actually to to go to the meeting with them. And, and we sat in the meeting with them. And it wasn't, you know, a droning on board meeting like you might expect. It was an interesting um, view on how that industry works and, and how that segment of the industry works. And so we were, we were part of the operation. We were part of the business. We didn't have to contribute anything, obviously, but they wanted to make sure that we were a part of it because we were a big part of that company. And so that relationship exists a little bit differently in corporate flying than in the airlines per se. And I think that's, that's one thing that, that really appeals to me. One of the great things about corporate aviation, it is so dynamic. You feel like you're part of a team, and it's incredible uh, career and career progression. And, you know, Matt, you are really an, an 
excellent advocate for corporate aviation. And one of the things I'm sure we're going to have is a lot of questions. So if someone does have a question, send them to me, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. I'll send it over to Matt. We'll probably have love to have you back on again. But before we go, Matt, what as far as somebody who's looking at corporate aviation, say for the first time or revisiting corporate aviation as a possible career goal, uh, just some general advice before we leave. I'd say, you know, part of, uh, <clears throat> part of the, the, the tough part with aviation in, in general and corporate aviation more so is when you forge those relationships, it's maintaining them. And so the one thing that I would say is if you're going to connect with somebody on LinkedIn, if you're going to add them on Facebook, or even if you're going to meet them in person, make sure to follow up, make sure that you really, you know, make that connection, but also keep that connection and keep in touch with them, seek, seek their interests and they're going to seek yours. They're going to turn around and, and, and seek your interests and try to really get involved. And that's one thing that, that helps out tremendously and, and makes it easy because then when that person's in town visiting or, or you're in town visiting, let's say you're flying for, um, you know, a survey company. And I know a gentleman this happened to recently. He was a pictometry pilot on a small, you know, light twin on a 10 cam and he was in town, um, you know, on an overnight and he has about 500 hours or so, but he had made some connections online and, and kind of worked hard to, to keep up on those. And he happened to be somewhere and, and he saw uh, an aircraft that he knew the pilot of. And so he sent him a message, Hey, I'm in town. I see your airplanes here. And they got a chance to go to dinner. And, um, actually it's kind of interesting because in two weeks that, uh, that same 500 hour pilot that was flying survey is uh, going to be going to in-dock flying Hawker 800s uh, for, uh, for a company. So, you know, that, that relationship took him to the next level and, and really showing the, that you care and showing that it's important to you to be a part of the industry and be a part of the community is, uh, is one of the strongest things. And so for those that are looking to get into it, um, you know, I would say that visiting, you know, the airports and, and visiting the FBOs and you know, years ago, of course, we talked about knocking on hangar doors and, and, you know, offering to help out with the airplane. <clears throat> That's still a very, a very prevalent, uh, idea, but more so I would say also try to leverage uh, what you can online because it is such a powerful tool and just do so professionally. And, and with that, you'll be able to open up a lot of doors. Well, Matt Ratowski, just a, a wonderful individual and, and a great uh, advocate for corporate aviation. Some wonderful advice you've given us here. And uh, re- really thank you for taking the time to, to be on the podcast. I really appreciate that. No, absolutely. And, you know, any questions that uh, you have come across the line there, you know, feel free to send them my way. And uh, I'm sure we can take some of those questions. A lot of people uh, sometimes have overlapping questions. And maybe if we uh, have enough that come up, we'll put together another segment for you so that we can address some of that. Awesome. We will definitely do that. Speaking with Matt Ratowski, he's a corporate pilot and uh, author of a really interesting article I will link to in the show notes on LinkedIn. It's how networking can make or break you. I highly recommend you reading this no matter where you are in corporate aviation, airlines, or just in general in life. Really good advice that he has in there. Folks, I really appreciate your listening again, going back to the beginning. I know it's been our millionth download, and I've been very humbled by some of the feedback we've received. I know we have lots of questions about corporate aviation. has been stacking up. We're definitely going to have Matt back on to talk about those questions, and in particular, we could spend a few hours on those. But one thing I, I really think is important, and I've said this from the beginning of the show and every episode since, is that... You need to do something. It's not just sitting here listening. I want you to do something.
something today to move forward in your career. It could be something really small. It could be opening a book, reading, studying, listening to another podcast. You might want to click on the link that's in this podcast here about that, that article there. Learn about MBAA. Learn something, but I want you to do something now. Do something today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved.